0: Get your business together. Get yourself into what you do and see it through.
1: Being boss is hard. Blending work and life is messy. Making a dream job
0: of your own isn't easy. But getting paid for it, becoming known for it, and finding purpose in it is so doable. If you do the work. Being boss is a podcast for creative entrepreneurs brought to you by Emily Thompson and Kathleen Shannon. Hi, I'm Emily, and I own Indie
1: Shopography, where I help passionate entrepreneurs establish and grow their business online by helping them build brands that attract and websites that sell. I help my clients launch their business so they can do more of what they love and make money doing it.
0: And I'm Kathleen. I'm the co-owner of Braid Creative, where I specialize in branding and business visioning for creative entrepreneurs who want to blend who they are with what they do Narrow in on their core genius and shape their content so they can position themselves as experts to attract more dream clients. And Being Boss is a
1: podcast where we're a talking shop, giving you a peek behind the scenes of what it takes to build a business, interviewing other working creatives, and figuring it out as we go right there with
0: you. Check out our archives at lovebeingboss.com. Welcome to
2: episode number 37. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks Cloud Accounting.
3: Today is just Emily and myself, and we're going to be talking about making decisions like a boss. Hey, before we get into our episode, I wanna tell you guys about an ebook called Breaking the Time Barrier by Mike McDermott. Mike is the CEO of FreshBooks, and he wrote an ebook a couple years ago And it's all about learning how to charge what you're really worth. This book changed my life. Some of my friends have read this book and it really changed the way that they price and charge for their services. So it's a good way if you are still charging hourly to get into some project and fee-based charging. And again, this is from the FreshBooks CEO and we are I'm proud to be sponsored by FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the easy to use online cloud accounting designed specifically for creative entrepreneurs who did not major in financing and get a little freaked out around the money stuff. FreshBooks will help you run your business and make you look like a pro while doing it. Try FreshBooks for free today. Go to freshbooks.com slash being boss and select being boss in the, how did you hear about us section? All right. On to the episode! Decision-making!
2: First, I'm excited it's just me and you today, Kathleen. I've missed you.
3: I know, it's just us I've missed you, too. So our guest, who is scheduled to come on, is Becky, who has a documentary about living on Bitcoin for a year. And she's fantastic. I hope we can get her on in the future. If we can't, here's a good plug for her, because... Um, it's kind of a fascinating project that she's working on, but, and she's a fellow boss. She's in the Facebook group. She had a baby yesterday. What? Yeah. <laughs> so. Did she know this
1: was coming? Did she <laughs> schedule this today? Knowing that she was going to be having right? a baby soon? <laughs> she was
3: like, I might be having a baby. So she did have the baby. So big congrats to her. Um, so it's just us. I'm really excited, but I have no idea what we're going to talk about. <laughs>
2: We didn't as of like 10 minutes ago, for sure.
3: (laughs) (laughs) But we're going to talk about making decisions, and it's something that I think about a lot. I consider decision-making one of my superpowers whenever it comes to my business and my partnerships. Um, I feel like it's something that I'm really good at. However, over the last year, I don't know if it's the sleep deprivation of having a baby or just having to make so many decisions around having a kid, that I'm decision fatigued. So I've been having a harder time lately making decisions. So it's something that I've been thinking about a lot. Um, And I think having a harder time making decisions also gives me a lot of compassion for creative entrepreneurs that we're having conversations with daily who are having a hard time making decisions around what to charge, what social media platforms to use, which career direction to go into. So I think today, uh, we're just going to dig into that a little bit, but first I want to know, Emily, how was your move to Chattanooga? You're in your new house right now.
2: I am. It was fantastic. So as of recording, we've been here for a week, like literally we closed almost exactly a week ago. Give me 25 minutes. So it's been a whole week. Um, It's been really, really fantastic. We've been hanging out around the city a little bit. We actually started a Whole30 a couple days ago, too. So we went to the grocery store four times (laughs) in the past week that we've been here. Um, And we've gotten, we're probably about 90% unpacked. We really hustled out packing or unpacking whenever we got in because boxes annoy the hell out of me um it's really crazy actually a neighbor across the street has been living um in her house for about three months now and she's not even like halfway done unpacking so talk about some decision making and needing to do the work (laughs) wait what What? What? yeah wait your neighbor's (laughs) living in your house no a neighbor living across the street
3: Oh, she's living in her house across the street and is still not unpacked. I've had friends who have had boxes in their houses for years after moving. Uh,
2: That stresses me out. Like, actually, the first day, we unpacked half the house. Like, it was, I had to get it unpacked. It's that environment thing. And I think, I've been living, living out of a suitcase for the past three months, and, um... Just sort of, I guess, like moving every probably two, three years for the past couple of years. So being able to settle down meant Emily was ready to unpack all the boxes immediately. So the last thing to unpack is the studio, which right now is a hot mess. But I hope to have that done by the end of the weekend, and then it'll all be gravy.
3: <laughs> and are you going to build a podcasting room?
2: <laughs> I, I've actually purposefully set my desk up in the corner of, of my studio room and I hope to make it a little more sound barrier friendly. Um, right now you guys, Emily is
3: literally wrapped (laughs) in a blanket right now. I was like, you're still, we've been getting a couple of comments on our sound and we're working on it, but, um, Emily is still a little echoey from moving in. So I was like, go wrap a blanket around yourself. So she kind of looks... Right. Yeah, I
2: have I have a I have a blanket like on my bookshelf next to me. I'm holding a pillow on the other side <laughs> of my microphone that Lily made me. It's really cute. It's so cute, and um, I'm wrapped in a blanket. So if you have something to say about the audio now, it's not because I'm not trying. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing the best we can. What about you? You made a big change recently. That have we talked about this yet?
3: What, wait, what?
2: Have we talked about you cutting off your dreads yet?
3: Oh. Because I don't think
2: we really have.
3: Okay, so yeah, I cut off my hair. Yep. Um, I was, I did it because, well, one, I'm still a lady. Like I like changing stuff up, you know. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So, um, well, that's that's kind of, I guess, you know, even more a part of my personal brand um, beyond the hair itself, which I feel like became a signature is that I can promise you I'm going to change every few years. So I had had my hair in locks for about three and a half years, and this summer they started getting really heavy and hot. I found myself not going swimming because I didn't want to have to deal with how heavy they would be. And, <laughs> and your how... hair
2: mildewing?
3: <laughs> no, they never mildewed. They were small <laughs> enough that that never actually was a risk. Um, but it did take them like eight hours to dry. And I was ready, but mostly I was just ready for a change. So um, I can't really brush them out. So I cut off my hair right now. It's kind of like in a mohawk situation. I love it. Curly mohawk. My hair is kind of curly, but um, yeah, I don't really know if I'm growing it out or if I'm going to keep it short. But yeah, that was a big uh, change and kind of, you know, one of the things that, we think about a lot and we talk about a lot is creative confidence. And so it was definitely a lesson in confidence a little bit and just maintaining that people won't forget who I am just because I've changed my hair. Um, so yeah.
2: Good. Well, I think mean, it looks fantastic. Thank
3: you. I'm enjoying it. Um, this week I went to the circles conference.
2: Oh, that's right. How did that go?
3: Yeah. So um, we popped in on Tuesday evening um, and got a hotel. I, so I was with my sister. My sister came with me, who I co-own Braid Creative with. And I was like, come help me do the workshop. So she came down with me and we get into our hotel and I tell her, okay, my main goal is I want 10 hours of sleep tonight. So <laughs> That's as, our, a good goal. as our regular listeners know, I didn't sleep for a year after having my baby. He's going through a sleep regression now. Because, I don't know, his brain is growing. His teeth are growing. Things are growing, and it keeps him up at night. So I was like, I went 10 hours of sleep tonight. So right as we're lulling into sleep, my sister is like, oh, my God, blah, blah, freaking out. So my sister basically walks and talks in her sleep every single night. Every single <laughs> I night. I forgot
1: about this.
3: Like, oh, my God. <laughs> so as uh, she freaks out. But still in her sleep, she has enough self-awareness that in her sleep, she's like, oh, I'm so sorry, Kathleen. It's fine. But she's still convinced that whatever she's freaking out about is still real also. <laughs> like that we forgot something. So she's like, I'm sorry, Kathleen. But in her mind, she's like, not really. Because this is a problem. <laughs> anyway, I slept in until 9 a.m. It's been the longest I've slept in. Like, that's my big news. I slept in. That um, is but big The next news. day, we had a good workshop um, over positioning yourself and using your process to help sell yourself because sometimes it can feel icky selling yourself as a creative, but then also being sure to remember that you're a person and that people buy people. So one of the things that we mentioned here, um, on being boss are these conversation slides or sales decks that we use to help sell ourselves. And so we gave the attendees of this workshop a really sneak peek behind the scenes of exactly what those slides look like. Um, And how we use them and how we help our customers create them for themselves so they can feel a little less icky selling. Um, And it might be something that we pull out for the mastermind class in New Orleans, which is coming up soon. We're completely sold out, so I hate even mentioning it. But um, we're excited about the New Orleans trip coming up in like a month.
2: Yeah, a month and a week. That's crazy. It's going to be so much fun.
3: And so I mentioned uh, Mike McDermott earlier and his book, Breaking the Time Barrier, but um, he's going to be speaking to either our masterclass or the live podcast recording. Um, he's going to be talking to us for 15 minutes, so we're going to get a good Q&A with him, which I'm really excited about.
2: I am too. I have to look, come up with some good questions. Start
3: thinking, start thinking on it now. I know. All right. Um, enough chit-chat.
2: I guess. Well, in that not enough chit-chat, but yes, let's segue into it smoothly. So,
3: I Uh decided... my life coach is trying to call me. He's going to (laughs) be coming on the show soon.
0: (laughs) Because, actually,
3: because I'm having a hard time making some decisions, so I texted him. I said, hey, can you coach me for 15 minutes? Awesome. Yeah. Well, good. Yeah, I look
2: forward to having him on the show. It's going to be, going to be cool. Um, but... You have cut off your hair, which was something that you loved. Like, I remember an Instagram or something once where you were talking about how you finally felt like you were who you were supposed to be.
3: and yeah, most I felt I re- like myself.
2: Yes, like having dreads was sort of, in that moment, was your thing. Um, and you recently made the decision to cut them off. Which is something, like, a lot of girls have problems cutting their hair. Like, my hair has gotten really long, and I'm having problems just getting it trimmed. So, hair change decisions is a big one. Um, I just moved out of state, out of my hometown, again, for the third time. (laughs) And uh, moved to Chattanooga. Big decision we made as a family, like, moving our business, moving our family, um, changing so many things in our life. And that's after making the decision uh, to pack up and travel the country. 40 days, followed by living out of our suitcase for another 50 days while we tried to buy a house. Um, so decision-making is something that we talk about a lot. We make a lot of decisions. It's one of your superpowers. I feel like it's one of mine, too. I'm a very good decision-maker. Um, and in business, as an entrepreneur, if you are, if you are literally the quote-unquote decision-maker, in your business, and as a solopreneur, you are the decision maker. Let's talk about making those decisions.
3: Yeah. Because they're hard. Like, so for me, deciding to cut my hair was not a hard decision. For me, I could not get it off my head fast enough once I'd made the decision, which seemed to come to me, I don't know, maybe I was watching some pink videos or something. I was like, I should cut my hair. I don't know. but Maybe it was a long time coming. Like, that was the kind of decision that I was thinking about for probably six months. Like what would it be like? You know, whenever you're searching on Pinterest for like your decision for a while. (laughs) I courted my decision. (laughs) Which is usually not like me. Usually I'm all about making decisions fast and then executing on them. But um whenever you find yourself on Pinterest looking up photos of pixie cuts, that's a hint that you might be wanting to cut all your hair off. But some things that I've been having a hard time making decisions about are So we're getting a lot of opportunities, I think, because of being boss and um, just the phases of our business. So really deciding what to say yes to and what to say no to. I have a hard time making a decision around. And whenever we get people on our podcast like Shalene Johnson and um, Paul Jarvis and Jason Zook and, um, you know, all these people that we have who are also have lots of opportunities coming their way. I always like to ask them kind of how they decide, oh, Melissa Hartwig, how they decide what to say yes to and what to say no to. So I've been having a hard time with that. I've also been having a hard time making decisions around um, sometimes just career stuff. And I think you're the same, Emily. Like, what do you have a hard time making decisions around?
2: Let me get ready. (laughs) Um, so, what to say yes to and what to say no to is definitely one of those, like, then there's conflicting ideas, this idea that you should say no to everything, and like, the, except for the things that really, like, feed you or whatever. And then the idea of, like, you know, don't pass up an opportunity because you never know what, you know, will come of it. Like, there, there, there are conflicting views on how you should do that, and I find myself in the middle of that conflict ongoing, so I second that one. That one's a really hard one for me.
3: you know, me. I just want to mention... I go through phases. So probably whenever I was pregnant, towards the end of my pregnancy, I was saying no to everything. It was a season of saying no. Then once I felt like I had my feet under me a little bit, I started saying yes to everything. Um, so for me, I'm so extreme. And what I really want to find... <laughs> Are you? I never <laughs> noticed, Kathleen what I love about you <laughs> so what I would like to do is find a method for making decisions that is just much more middle of the road not a season of saying yes to everything and not a season of saying no but kind of having um I don't know like a, a true north or these guideposts Right, For you need a guardian
2: that. angel. I need a um, guardian
3: angel to help you make my decisions To lead you along your way. No, well, it, and that's the
2: thing, though, is I don't think there's a science to decision-making. There's not an equation that will get you from, from possibility to outcome in the most, like, I don't know, efficient way. Like, it doesn't work like that. And I think it is a seasonal thing. Like, I think that's something. Maybe your place should be recognizing what season you're in. And like prioritizing, because whenever you were pregnant, your priority was baby, yourself, your home, your husband, like those things. In which case, all the other things, screw it. Like they all get a no. But once things start sort of evening out, your priorities can change and you have more free time. And maybe it is just more about recognizing what season of life you're in. And making decisions based on that, which doesn't really help anyone at all at the moment, maybe. But it's a nice way to think about it because there's not a science or equation. Or maybe
3: there is and we should build it. Mm-hmm,
2: right. Would you like to discover the science of Well, I think if
3: anyone would do that, it would be my sister. So she recently, yeah. we recently had to make a decision. So one of the things that we've talked about are the cycles of working from home versus having a studio. So we recently did a podcast episode about that. And probably right after that, an opportunity came up for a space in the cool... Like one of my favorite areas of town. Um, there's coffee shops nearby, a good pub, good food, um, good people. A lot of my artist friends are in this area. And so an opportunity came up to have a space. And I I couldn't really decide. But I'm again, I'm in a season of saying yes. And so I was like, let's do it. And my sister, a lot of times... Um, again, my superpower is making the decision and then she helps support me and is like, okay, let's figure this out. Let's figure out how we're going to implement it. So I wanted to do it, but she was feeling funny about it. So what she did is she got pen and paper out. Well, she had a bunch of note cards and she had like four different colors and, and basically it was a glorified pro and con list, but what was cool about it is that. Um, it made it really visual and we can kind of like bucket reasons why we should do this and why we shouldn't do this. And maybe some of them weren't even, um, cons, but maybe like obligations, like what are the obligations that we have or what are the timing issues for this? And so it's one thing to kind of ping decisions around back and forth and to talk it through. But what I found is that I can rationalize my way in or out of anything, But by writing it down on these note cards and then bucketing it into like kind of one big pro and con list, I was able to visually see that obligating ourselves to this space right now, it wasn't the good timing. It wasn't quite the right space. And so the decision, it was easier to see it than it was to think it through. So that's like a big, I don't know, a good good formula for making decisions is to literally start writing it down because if it stays in your head, you're just going to kind of be ping-ponging back and forth, and you can probably forget what you decided.
2: Yeah, pros and cons list, or Tara's like, pros and cons list on crack, is, <laughs> is, is, is something we use all the time. I mean, whenever we, actually, whenever we decided to move to Chattanooga, I remember sitting down with Lily because she was not excited about leaving family and friends and, and things. And David and I were already geared up and ready to go, but we had to convince our kid. So we sat down with her and we did a pros and cons list with, you know, our seven-year-old. And, um, and it helped her sort of see the rationality behind, behind the decision being a good one. So um, if it works for a seven-year-old, <laughs> I think it can work for adults. That's um, cool that you're teaching her
3: how to make decisions.
2: Yeah, it's important. I mean, making decisions is why I am here period. There are plenty of people who are, who started a business five years ago who are not as far along as I am now. And the difference is the decisions they made and whether or not they even made them. Um, I I coach people all the time. I I like to do three and 30 coaching sessions where it's, um, they're free um we give them give three of them out every month to um people on our subscriber list and we always get some really great people and i get to spend 30 minutes talking to new people um and almost always it comes down to them just making a decision about whatever it is they're coming to me to be coached about and it's not it's not needing to figure it out it's just needing to make the decision and usually in the middle of coaching they've already made the decision they just haven't like committed to it and turned it into action. Um, so it's very, very important, I think, for business. And teaching my kid how to do it now is is almost a no brainer. Like it's not something I'm like, oh, I need to teach Lily how to make decisions. It's just like this is life and to get along you make
3: decisions. So let's do it. Um and you know what is really huge. One thing I always say is that there aren't really bad decisions. I mean well of course there are bad decisions. (laughs) But like (laughs) Kathleen, there are really bad decisions. (laughs) Okay,
2: continue. (laughs) Whenever it
3: comes to your career and choosing between like, let's say Twitter or Instagram, there's not really a bad decision there. So, like a lot of the things that we're coaching other creatives around, um there it's more about just make the decision and go with it and see where that gets you. Um, one of the things that you say all the time, Emily, that I love is to test and change. And a lot of decisions are actually you're not making a huge decision. You're actually making a really little decision, executing on that, see where it gets you, and then you get to make another decision based off of where you're at now. So that's kind of this test and change philosophy. It's just, you're just making one little decision after another. It's not the end of the world.
2: Right. Well, unless you're like a superhero and like your choice really could determine the end of the world. Um, that's not the case. My kid (laughs) reads too many comic books. Um... No, I I think that's exactly – and maybe that's actually where decision-making becomes a science is is, it's all just an experiment. Like I've said this before, like life and business and, you know, relationships and, you know, what you're going to cook for dinner. It's all just an experiment, and you can either go into it thinking that it's going to be the – end all of all decision making or it's just gonna be one decision you make, you see the outcome, and if you like it, you make it again, and if you don't, you never make it again. Um test and change is has totally I think become my personal mantra, like super hardcore. And it's gotten me some to some really cool places. It's gotten me to some really weird places. <laughs> <laughs> but even I don't even hate those. So um
3: so yeah test and change I think is everything. Um well I was just gonna say I was recently Um, running some errands and I wrote a newsletter about this through Braid, but I was talking about, um, in this newsletter how I was running some errands the other day and I was listening to Terry Gross on NPR interview Louis CK, who's my favorite comedian. I love him. Um, anyway, he was, he was talking about his show and it's, I won't go into it, but his show is kind of based on him. Like the character is the same name as him, but it's, there's liberties there, right, for storytelling's sake. Anyway, whenever he was a teenager, he kind of got into some drugs, and his mom got him like a free social worker therapist. And this therapist was this cool young guy, and he basically told Louis C.K. He was like, "Listen, some crappy things have happened to you, um, and you've made some bad choices as far as the kinds of drugs that you're doing. <laughs> but all you have to do is make one good decision, and then one good decision after that, and then and." You just keep making good decisions and things get better. And so I love thinking about that. And it made me realize that making decisions and then seeing, like acknowledging that you made that choice and you made that decision helps give you confidence. So again, that's another thing a lot of the creatives um, we're talking to every day struggle with is having confidence in their decisions. But I think it's really acknowledging the good decisions that you've already made um, and then you just keep making good decisions.
2: Well, I think, I think there's so much to say in that in how much power you have over your own life. And I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with. And it's something that I'm becoming more aware of as I like get older and become more involved in the world and all those things that there are people out there who really do not understand the power they have over their own life and direction, and job, and business, and all of those things, and the power is in your ability to make your own decisions, which is something that we had sort of talked about earlier in this idea that it is your job <laughs> to make your decisions. Um, if you're one of those people that you know are always expecting other people to make your decisions, you're literally handing over your power oh, to someone else. Yes.
3: So I recently had to make a hard decision about an opportunity that came my way, and I was asking everybody. I was practically asking strangers, "Hey, I have this opportunity. Do you think I should do this thing?" And um, my clue there should have been. That because I was seeking so much for permission from everyone outside of myself to do this thing or looking for other people to tell me that this is a good decision, it kind of meant that I was handing over my power. Whether or not it was a good decision or not, I was handing over my power.
2: Yeah. and And I think that if you get to that point, especially when you're a hardcore decision maker like we are, like then at that point, you've kind of already made your decision. Yeah. Like... By handing over your power to someone else, you've
3: made the decision that you didn't want to do it, basically. Exactly. Because if you yeah. had,
2: you would have made the decision and gone
3: forward. Like, okay, um, so for example, whenever you approached me and you were like, hey, do you want to start a podcast? It was kind of a no-brainer, right? Right. Like, it was so easy to say yes. Um, so I just, yeah, bosses make their own decisions, Amen.
2: (laughs) They do. They absolutely do make their own decisions. And, and it's hard. Like it's, it's not an easy thing to be the decision maker. Um, it's, it's a practice. It's literally something you have to practice. My, my best friend, I love him to death, love him to death. We have this, this conversation most evenings that we're hanging out where he needs someone else to
3: help him figure out what he wants to eat for dinner. (laughs) Oh, yes. That's so funny that you say that because I was going to say practice making decisions by just making decisions around what to eat.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, and that in itself can be really hard. Like there are plenty of days where I leave the studio and I've made decisions all day. Like I'm, you know, managing my team and directing clients and, and, and making my own decisions and, you know, how I should design this website or whatever. That by the end of the day, I walk out of the studio and I'm like, David, you're telling us what we want to eat. Cause I don't care. Like I cannot make another decision.
3: Um, okay. I have a tool for decision making whenever it comes to what to eat. Oh please share. Okay, my ex <laughs> taught me this actually. So whenever it comes to what you want to eat, all you have to do is like hold up a fake spoon or sandwich, like pretend like you're mining that you're eating. So like you guys can't see this on <laughs>
2: you can't see this. She's chomping it. I'm me right chomping. Now.
3: So I'm like <laughs> air chomping. And it, um, and then you were like, "What? what is it? What's? What am I chomping on? And it kind of, it really does help. So I'm like. Oh. That's genius. I'm like, that is I'm gonna it. I'm going to start
2: giving Mikey a spoon and tell, just
3: chomp and tell me what you I'm taste. I'm like, that's a turkey sandwich <laughs> right there. Or that's a Cheeto and some red wine right there. Right.
2: Whatever it may be. I mean, that's genius. <laughs> I'm going to try that next time. I can't figure it out.
3: Um, yeah, let so, me know how it goes for you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I'll let you know what, what I end up air chomping um, so apart from food, though, like, I think a problem that a lot of people, at least a lot of our people struggle with, and it's something that you and I talk about plenty of times, is like direction and career. So a lot of our listeners are, you know, have full time jobs, and their creative entrepreneurialism is their side hustle, or they've made their creative business their their main hustle. And things evolve. And which is an an expectation that every creative entrepreneur, side hustler, or main hustler should have: the business that you start is very rarely the business that you have in three to five years. Um, So, career stuff is really hard to make decisions about because, in a way, that will shape the rest of your life. Not to make it heavier.
3: No, but you know what? Um, I feel like the things that you said right then are kind of like contradictory, because here's the deal. I think just being open to the fact that I have no idea where my business is going to be in three to five years actually gives me a lot of liberty to just make decisions around what it is that I want to do right now. Um, And then things kind of follow their own path. Like my decisions unfold along the way. And it's usually, usually I can have faith though, that if I make a good decision right now, that in three to five years, my business is going to be in a cool place. Does that make sense? Yes, that
2: makes perfect sense. I I think that's completely true. I mean, everything we do in business leads us along our path to like entrepreneurial happiness I think and like security and those sorts of things but it's still a decision that causes a lot of stress yeah and a whole lot of people and I and I think that I think that that's probably the most important point to make is that is that again knowing that you have that power over your own future should give you the freedom to make whatever decision you want because you can test and change. Like if you make a decision now that you think is good and you realize it might not have been the best one, you may have spent a little time on not the best decision, but you just change it and keep going along because I believe that the only failure comes when you don't learn the lesson. So even the missteps that you take along the way are there to serve the purpose to teach you a lesson that you needed to continue on.
3: Um, I found that I can make better decisions about what I want whenever I get really specific about what that is. So from what I like to offer and do. So for a while, I was trying to decide, do I want to offer web or not? And then I thought, you know what? I don't really like working on web projects because they are never done. It's usually me figuring out the business model. That stuff kind of comes up whenever web... Is coming to execution. Um, people get really stressed out whenever they're launching. Yeah, I know. I'm like, I'm like here's, here's all the, the reasons why I don't.
2: Stressful thing I've I'm ever like, here's
3: <laughs> all the reasons why I don't do what you do, Emily.
2: I know. Well, it's, um, it's all the reasons that, it's all the reasons though that I love what I do because I can help other people like deal with that because I've done it so many right? times. Um, but even, even that was a mindful decision that I made at one point in my business and and yours too, like making the mindful decision to not get into that, um, has shaped your business in huge ways. And it's like,
3: just because I can do it doesn't mean that I should, and it doesn't mean that it's what I'm best at. So I like to get really specific about what am I actually best at? And then I make decisions around that. Even my dream clients, A lot of people have a hard time narrowing in on who they want to serve and who they best help. I think getting really specific about how what you do helps someone else and even down to the vibe of the person, even down to um, what kind of clothes they wear. I mean, a lot of people have done dream customer profiles but I think I you just this. continue getting really specific along the way, it will help you make decisions about even saying yes or no to um, dream clients.
2: Yeah, I, I think it could go either way. If you have problems narrowing in on your niche or your offerings or whatever, then you have a decision-making problem. You need to practice making decisions. And if you know that you simply have... <laughs> problems making decisions then narrow in on your offerings or your dream client because that's a really good practice for making decisions um because that's exactly what that is whenever whenever I have a client come to me who you know their dream customers between the ages of 20 and 55 I think um what like that is hardly a narrow enough like space to do any sort of branding or web work like you can't do that you have to make decisions you have to narrow down you have to speak to a person and that requires decision making
3: um okay so let's say someone is asking you or telling you that they want to be a creative entrepreneur they the the dream is working for themselves but they have no idea what they want to do but that they're creative they're kind of a jack or jane of all trades um but they just don't know which path to go down how would you coach someone around that what would you what kinds of questions would you ask them so that they could get more specific about making a decision about a career path Okay. I'll go first.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking on this a second. So Um, some of
3: the things are like really obvious, like things that you might take for granted. What are you good at?
0: Is it graphic
3: design? Is it photography? Um, if you're just an idea person, I don't know. I get kind of frustrated with that because I feel like you have to have more of a specific offering or skill versus just idea person, or you have to be able to shape that into an offering. Um,
2: yeah, well, I think, I think the ideal day exercise is probably, probably even, even an easier one for people to tackle. It's,
3: you know what, let's offer that in the show notes. If you go to our website at lovebeingboss.com, I will attach an ideal day worksheet to the email whenever you sign up. Um, and if you're already on our newsletter list, we'll be sure to send that to you guys. But um, yeah, go to lovebeingboss.com and sign up for a newsletter and I will send you an ideal day worksheet and it will help you narrow in on what you want to be doing all day so you can make decisions around how to charge for it. Amen. And, and, and not even like how to charge for it. Absolutely.
2: But also like guide your life in such a huge way. I think that That's sitting down, closing your eyes, drinking a glass of wine if you need to, and really thinking about what it is that you want to be doing all day. What time are you getting up? what are you going to work? Or are you working from home? What are you wearing? Which is always one of my, one of my favorite ways to, to visualize that is, are you in your PJs all day? Cause if so, you need to work
3: from home. <laughs> <laughs> Mine is like, what kinds of conversations are you having? What are you talking about? Getting really specific about that will help you yeah. figure out what it is that you want to be doing. So for us, we love sitting around and talking about being boss all day. So starting a <laughs> podcast was a pretty good decision for us
2: definitely part of my dream day was getting on the phone with Kathleen and just talking. Um, so and making that into a business was something that we totally made into a viable thing. Um, so just illustrating that it really kind of is that simple. You um you think about what you want to do all day and you go forward. You start making the little changes to actually make those days reality. If you have sucky mornings, then draw out your perfect morning and start making steps to make that morning routine happen. It's it's kind of that simple, but it is deciding on that ideal day, Um, which if I'm deciding anything, I would love for that decision to be, what am I doing all day? Um, I think that's totally the
3: thing to do. One of my favorite personal branding exercises um that we do in our e-course and with our one-on-one clients is having a dinner party and inviting four guests to your dinner party. I may have even talked about it on the podcast before. Um, but one thing that I like, my friend Jesse Artigue, who has a podcast called Marriage is Funny. Her dad used to kind of do this same dinner party idea with her, but it was her board of directors. So I like to think of my dinner party. So, okay, here's how dinner party works. You're inviting four people to dinner and they're actually kind of aspects of yourself. So right now at my dinner party, it would be Beyonce always, of course. She's always invited to my dinner party. Um, Ira Glass, because I think that he does a great job of interviewing and Elevating the mundane and finding stories in the details. Um, I would also have Jenny Slate. So she plays, she's on Parks and Rec, and she plays the sister of Ralph Macchio. I can never remember. I think that's the karate kid. Um, <laughs> anyway, it's Tommy Haverford's like crazy entrepreneurial friend. She plays his sister. She was also kicked off of Saturday Night Live for dropping the F bomb live on TV. (laughs) Anyway, she's hilarious. I really like her. I've been listening to a few podcasts where she's the guest. So she would be there. And then um, if one more person had to come, who would it be? Okay. It might be you, Emily coming to my dinner party. So then let's say I have to make a hard decision. Like, should I take on this opportunity instead of asking random strangers on the street, if I should do this thing, Maybe I think about my dinner party and I think of them as my board of directors. What would Beyonce tell me to do? What would Jenny Slate tell me to do? And they might tell me different things, but if three out of four of them are telling me to say yes, maybe I should say yes. If one of them is like, I don't know, why are they telling me no? Is it because they're scared? So it sounds kind of like split personality-ish, but it really does help dig down into what you really want by kind of acting like it's other people making the decision for you and it's people that you admire and respect and trust.
2: I love that. The dinner party guest has always been one of my favorite exercises. Also one of the hardest exercises on the planet for me to do. Who would be at um, your dinner party?
3: What? Who would be at Are your
2: you? <laughs> Oh, Kathleen
3: <laughs> You're like, that's hard to do and I'm like, So who? who I know. Is it?
2: Okay. So Oprah would definitely be one of me that or one of mine. She's boss um oprah would be
3: one amy poehler would be one Oh yeah amy poehler's at mine too
2: mm-hmm. um god i don't know i think richard branson would probably be one of mine i think he's so like visionary and that british accent why not <laughs> um and then i need a fourth one I don't know. Actually, you would be there, Kathleen. Aww. Let's 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 put you. Actually, <laughs> I remember the first time I ever did this. It was like a Kathleen and Tara blend person. <laughs> we'll we'll make that it. Um, I think that that would be amazing. I think that enough entrepreneurs and badass women and just some funny shit would be amazing.
3: Um. Okay. So another way to make good decisions is to get rid of the decisions that you don't have to make. Yes. So, this would be like, for me, um, get, getting rid of—wardrobe is a big one. Like, deciding what to wear. Get rid of the stuff that you're never wearing, that you're always skipping over, so that way you don't have to decide not to wear that. I always
2: thought that Steve Jobs' uniform yeah. was weird as hell. No, it's genius. Until I got older, and now I want it to, which I basically do. I feel like these days— I've. After living out of a suitcase for three months and wearing literally the same clothes over and over and over again. I feel like I've adopted a weird little wardrobe. Um, But I think that's genius. I think clothes, I love, well, actually, I say I love it. I think it's a little bit genius. I could not do it myself. But you have the same breakfast every day. I have the same breakfast every day. So that you don't have to make that decision of what you're having for breakfast, which, again, genius Don't think
3: it's for me. I like I like choosing. Um, I like doing a whole thirty whenever it comes to food because then I don't have to decide to be moderate. Like for me, moderation's really hard. (laughs) I like to be all in. (laughs) I'm gonna eat them all, or I'm not gonna eat any of them. That's exactly right. So for me, taking those decisions off the table, like am I gonna have a cookie or not? Like just taking it off the table. I think Gretchen Rubin talks about this also um, in her book, The Happiness Project. Like, there's moderators and abstainers. I'm best with abstaining.
2: I think I'm probably two, now that you say it. I, I think I'm a good blend of both. I think I'm a healthy blend of both. I know when I should just stay away from things, but I'm also pretty good at just having a bite. Like, <laughs> David is an ice cream lover on this whole other level, guys. Like, I cannot even explain to you how much ice cream this guy eats. Um, but I'm really good about, and I love ice cream. I'm really good about, he'll go get a bowl and I'll literally eat one bite and then I'm done. Like it doesn't, but I can't get my own bowl because then I'll fill it up and eat it all. Um, so I think I'm probably a good healthy blend of both. Um, but what other decisions do you have that you don't make anymore? Like what systems, and that's basically what that is. What systems you have in your life and business um, that keep you from having to make decisions?
3: So I would actually say the braid method is a big way of not having to make decisions that are unnecessary. So we have a process in place for taking people through our branding process, our method, um, in a way that from from sales, from selling our product, it's the same, no matter what, same price for everyone. Um, having that packaged offering really makes it clear. Here's what I do. And here's what I don't do. And if you're willing to go through that method, you might be a good client. If you're not, um, then you're not a good fit, right? So that helps, that really helps us, um, eliminate some of the decision-making process as to client fit, um, as to what we're doing, what we're offering, how much it costs. Um, it also helps us in the actual creative process. So I get really afraid whenever I get a new project that I'll never have a good idea ever again, or that like all of a sudden I've forgotten how to be a designer. So that really helps me. Um, the, the process itself of discovery and mood boarding and letting my client reject designs along the way, um, really helps me make good decisions. And it really helps me hear what my client is saying. Um, yeah, so that's a really good decision making tool that I use. But even in my coaching process, um, packaging up that offering, rather than being like, well, what do you need? How long do you want to talk for by really giving it boundaries and guidance? um i don't have to make a decision around that around what i'm offering or what we're talking about i have worksheets that help facilitate the conversation it just makes it really easy and seamless so i think packaging your process um bundling your offering getting really clear on what that is will help you as far as like not reinventing the wheel every time you do a project
2: i agree i feel like that's probably the point and like the coaching that i do where entrepreneurs have the most frustration is in deciding how to work with their clients when they don't have preset packages um because then they're handing all of the power in their business over to the client and giving them the decision and how it is it they want to work with you, which is not how you build a business that you are in.
3: Well, yeah, of. what happens when you do that is you put yourself in the position of being an order taker versus an expert. And if you feel funny around the word expert, um, all it means is guide or that your boss or wearing the pants. Right, that you're running a business doing something. Like if you have a business
2: where you do something, you are the expert at what you do. Period. <laughs> um, but I do. I think packaging services is one of those places where entrepreneurs find the most sort of pushback in terms of decision making. Um, so if you can package them, that definitely streams, streamlines a lot of things. And you don't have to make those decisions. You make a decision once you decide on what your package is going to be, what your engagement with your, with your client's going to be, or what your product is. If you're a product maker, like choose your product. Don't have a line of like 80 products that are not cohesive because you can't decide what you're going to do. Make some decisions. Um... I think another another huge one that is a huge pain point for online entrepreneurs is the horrible email <laughs> and I think like whenever you get an email like having to take make the decisions on how it is that you're gonna respond to all the inquiries that come in, I think that's where like template emails come in like that's a decision that you don't have to make whenever you can take the emotions out of um, of doing like regular emails. Like if someone is emailing about working with you and having a template that you send them, that's like, here is how I work with you. Or if someone emails you because they didn't get their package, like having a template email of like, you know, we sent it out on this day, you know, here's your tracking, whatever those sort of things are. Um, it takes the emotions out of it. You make that decision once of what that email is going to say. And you just, you resend it over and over again. I think that's, I mean, that's a huge pain point that a lot of people have problems with and making that decision once so you never have to make it again fixes it.
3: Yeah, I think that making decisions around your internal processes and how you work and just making those decisions once and then testing and changing along the way, of course, but make the decision once. So even if you're working for yourself, here's what I would recommend is to write down how someone works with you from start to finish, from how they engage with your website to emailing you, to how you respond, to how you onboard them, to how you invoice them. That way you're not having to decide, well, should I talk about money now? Nope. It's in the process. So yes, you're talking about money. Now you're letting them know how much it costs. Oh, so that means you need to make a decision on what to charge. So if you can just spend a day or two, or maybe even the next time you, go through a client project, just write everything down as if you're going to train someone else on it, even if it's just yourself for a while. Um, you'll find that in that process you're going to be making a lot of decisions, but then that's it. You don't have to make them again. Um, and then you can start creating processes around those decisions to be more efficient. Um, it's a chain reaction.
2: It is. I, and just to plug someone here, Val Geisler, who we had on our podcast recently. So I recently hired her to help us, help us streamline our Indie Boom process. You know, over the past, well, we've added Chris to the team in the past year. Um, and brought Corey in on developing projects or developing websites from the ground up in the past year, and so, like my process was all in my head, <laughs> like I, I knew exactly how every project went, and whenever it came to handing off pieces of the project, things just got a little messy. so uh, we recently hired Val to do just that with us, like to take all the processes that were in my head and divide them up amongst the team. but it'd be really good for a, a one person team as well, um having someone guide you. Through creating all the processes you need, again, help you make the decisions on what your process will be, so that you never have to make them again. It also helps you sell
3: it then, because it does. then you can really reassure your potential client on what to expect. And whenever they know what to expect, and they they it creates trust. And whenever they trust you, they are more willing to hire you because yep. they know that they are going to get what you've been able to give other people like, in your portfolio. It's one thing to see like a really pretty shiny portfolio, but a lot of times potential clients are like, how do I know that I'm going to get that too? It's by sharing your process, simply explaining it. It takes the ick out of selling. So yeah. And, and yes. again, this is something that we're constantly working on. So braid has been around. We've had a braid method for five years and every year we are refining and changing it to better serve our dream client that continues to evolve. Um, so yeah, process, <laughs> write it all down.
2: Yes. I, it, that is, that I, that I think is the sticking point with probably actually, I feel like that is the best practice. That is the best practice that you can currently do for practicing decision making but also making your business a million times more badass in the process is start processing out your business make decisions on how it is that you want it to run it's just a prep you'll make a million little decisions along the way um but in the process you will be recording your systems and your process and your packaging and your pricing and how it is that you're going to deal with inquiries or trouble clients or you know customer service, all of those things. Um, It will become a huge practice in decision-making and then make you about as boss as you can get at this phase if you're having trouble making decisions.
3: Um, I feel like the final thing that I want to say around decision-making is just kind of more tactics and tools. So one of the things that I like to do whenever it comes to decision-making is to, again, pen to paper write down on a list the things that I want and what will help me get to those decisions. Um, So for example, it's really funny because we're talking about wardrobes earlier. One of the things I really want right now are just five badass outfits that I know look good, photograph well and make me feel like a boss. Right? So then I went on Pinterest and I started pinning things. And now whenever I go shopping I can really easily make decisions. So like, let's say I'm looking at a floral dress and I go back to my Pinterest board. Does anything on there look like a floral dress? No, it's all leather leggings and, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like post-apocalyptic fashion. It is not a floral dress. So I, it eliminates that decision. I don't have to decide whether or not I'm buying this floral dress, even though it's $5, you know, and it's super cute. but it was not in my vision. So I think that having a vision will help you make decisions better and easier. Write it down, write down what you want as silly as it might be, um, or as serious as it might be.
2: Yeah. I love Pinterest. I've been thinking about it a lot lately about how I think Pinterest is only, it's been around long enough now that I think people are probably, Now starting to realize how much of an effect that vision boarding actually has on your life and business, because that's what we all talk about anyway, in terms of like goal setting and what do you want and how do you want to feel? We talk about like, have a vision, get specific and what's more specific than some pictures and a board that all like communicate what you're thinking. Um, I think Pinterest is about to start creating more
3: Pinterest-worthy stuff. <laughs> Maybe um, we could have Ben Silverman on the show.
2: Oh, my God. I would love that. So
3: he's the creator of Pinterest, and we met him actually a We have a photo ago. of
2: you and I and Ben yes! at
3: Alt Summit. <laughs> That's so funny. I wonder if we could find that and include it in the show notes. Oh, I hope so. He was sweet. It would be cool to have him on the show to see how Pinterest has changed from the beginning. And, uh, you know, kind of like even just user interaction and how they've evolved with that.
1: I would
2: love to see how his roles have changed.
3: Yeah, how's he being boss? Yeah. All right, so maybe we can get him on the show by talking about <laughs> There you about go, Ben. Right we're
2: here. calling you out. We'll be in touch soon. <laughs>
3: um, if you guys have any questions about decision making or um, comments on things that you have a hard time making decisions around, I would love to hear more in our Facebook group. So you can find that by going to our website at lovebeingboss.com. There's always a link to the Facebook group somewhere around there.
2: Yeah, definitely. Go in and and ask some questions, get some thoughts, share your thoughts on decision making because people in there are amazing. There's always some great content going on in there and decision making is one of those things that is a necessity. If you want to be boss, you have to learn how to confidently make decisions and, and not like questioning yourself constantly. Make decision, own it, see what happens, test and change.
0: Amen.
3: Amen.
1: Hey bosses, I'm going to take a second to interrupt this episode to tell you that if you're liking being boss and you're ready to level up your game, we've got something just for you. Check out the Being Boss Bundle. It's Kathleen's DIY coaching for creatives and my Get Your Shit Together series bundled together at one low price just for you bosses. You can find that at lovebeingboss.com bundle.
0: If you like Being Boss, be sure to sign up for our newsletter at lovebeingboss.com, where you'll get episode worksheets, secret content, and other goodies delivered straight to your inbox every week. Again, that's lovebeingboss.com. Do the work, be boss, and we'll see you next week.
3: Come and go get some food. Go eat, Kathleen.